Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Thanks once again for tuning in. We're glad you've joined us. Our podcast, Faith in Your Recovery, is kind of governed by our uh, our parent organization, A Better Life, Brianna's Hope, a support recovery movement for those battling the battle with substance use disorder. And during our podcast, we like to focus and concentrate on all things recovery. That covers a broad space, but I feel really good about how we've how we've maintained the integrity of that thought and purpose, and we're just glad you tuned in. Let us know what you think of our podcast. We're excited about today's. We have with us a guest, uh, Mr. Scott Bronner. Scott was a part of episode 30, which was back in Let's see, that was August, early August of 2022. So that's been about a year and a half ago here, getting close. Welcome back, Scott. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate you having me back. Hey, we welcome the opportunity. I know you've gone through a lot of changes. You were early in your recovery then. Yeah. You were stretching your your horizons, your experiences in yes. a very positive way at that time. For and, once. Yeah, and you've maintained that, continued forward with it. Let's go back toward the beginning. Tell the folks what your struggles were, the battles that you had. Uh, yeah, your your own addictions and what that did. They can always go back to episode 30 mm-hmm. and get the details, but give them kind of an overview of that, please. Sure. Before I got into uh, drugs and drinking, um, looking back, I uh, really did struggle with depression and, and codependency and anxiety. Uh, later on, I learned uh, that if you introduce a foreign substance into your body, that changes the game. Even if it's artificial, it still felt better than what I usually felt like in my own skin. And so what age were you at that time, Scott, give or take? I had my first uh, experience with being drunk on alcohol at 15, and then I smoked my first bit of marijuana at 16. Okay, and you're how old now? I'm 53. Okay. How many years did you battle with the alcohol, the marijuana, or anything else that came along? Well, all that really evolved into harder and, and stronger things, like pills and psychedelics. But I dare say I probably had very easily a 30-year downward spiral. Okay, and that there probably wasn't a lot of positive that you recalled during that time of life's experiences or feelings towards self. I don't want to talk you into anything, but address that. Okay, well, there were moments you know, long moments of contentment and, and, and happiness. Uh, but I, looking back, when, when things were good, they were really great. And when they were bad, 
It was absolutely terrible. So it was either one extreme or the other. Either one or the other, right. Right. Okay. What was it that inspired you to start to move toward the positive life? Uh, that started with my absolute rock bottom and uh, survived that evening. And then I decided um, maybe indeed I'm accountable for a huge majority of reasons why I got myself. So what was that bottom that you just mentioned? Uh, I found myself, I think I had just turned 50. Okay. And um, I was divorced and came to the realization I was a terrible husband and a, a terrible father. Um, I was a convicted felon, so I was basically unemployable. Um, no social life, no personal life, no hope, no direction. And uh, it really wasn't too far from the studio. Um, I decided it'd be the best idea to take my own life. And with the faith background I had, I know we're, uh, in my belief system anyway, if you take your own life, that's the ultimate lack of faith. And you'll probably end up not going to heaven. But in that space of time, I was perfectly satisfied and comfortable, and it seemed logical to me that I could not live this life in any capacity. So I was going to take my own, face my judgment, and then whatever happened after that would be much better than living on this planet. So you mentioned a few moments ago you recognized personal accountability for where you were and decided you didn't want to be there anymore. Right. Okay. What was one of your initial steps forward after that thought, after recognizing maybe I'm responsible, which means I can also be responsible for something positive. What was, what was one of the first steps? Well, one of the first steps was realizing that um, I didn't succeed in my attempt. And through all the uh, self-pity and de depression and sadness and uh, failures that I had created, uh, I realized that while I'm still here, there's got to be a much better direction uh, to live this life. I mean, I can't take back anything. But if I'm given a second chance, you know, let's see what maybe I can and make of it. So I have got to get off the drugs. I have got to get off, off the drinking. And um, there's got to be a much better way. I just didn't know what to do or how to do that. So what did you find? Uh, what? Which way did you turn? Obviously, you turned toward the positive, mm -hmm. turned toward recovery. But what did it say at the door of recovery for you? What did that mean? Uh, yeah, your experience. Yeah. Folks, we recognize and realize no two journeys are the same. No two struggles are the same. But we do know there's a lot to gain from somebody else's victory. Mm -hmm. And it does give us an option, if nothing else, should fill us with hope. This is the season of Christmas. We're in the holiday season here. We're at the end of November uh, as, we, as we record this. We've got Thanksgiving tomorrow. Yeah. We've got Christmas in another month. A lot of miracles happen in that time frame. What was that step for you that gave you renewed hope, belief that, hey, maybe, just maybe I can make this happen? It's kind of a 
twofold answer. Okay, um, give us both. Sure. I, I learned um, initially that I myself am absolutely powerless over my compulsion and my addiction. And as a result, my life had become unmanageable. So that's that first step. Yes. AA, correct? I've never been through AA, okay. so I don't have the greatest grasp on the steps, but I do recognize mm -hmm. that. And in AA or out of AA, I think that's the old, as long as you're in denial, there's very little hope. And that's recognizing I have a problem. It's it's and if I could have yeah. handled, if I could handle it myself, I would have already. <laughs> First step to humbling yourself. Yeah. And then realizing uh, I, I know I blew it and um, that there is a problem. So step two then. Recognizing that there is a power much greater than myself. Uh -huh. We all need that, whether we're into addiction or not, okay? We call ourselves faith-based as an organization. We believe that with our podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, don't believe in faith-forced. Uh, but we want to live before you the kind of life that shows there is a yes. better way. I'm not better than anybody. I have found a better way. Exactly. And that way exists for each of us. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So where did that take you? Uh, you accepted those two premises, mm -hmm. uh, steps. Where did that take you? Well, I'd always had that, that belief, but I never really truly had a faith. And even more so, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believed in him. I prayed to him, but... And it's one thing to believe and another thing Abs to commit. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, the second part of answer to your question would have to be I was still trying to get over my, my ego, get over self. And I was required to go to these recovery meetings. Required by Bethel oh, House. Okay. Yeah, I was at this point, I was inside brand new client at Bethel House. And um, they, as a part of requirement to stay there, you must do 90 meetings in 90 days. That's one meeting. AA or Narcotics Anonymous or Heroin Anonymous, whatever your organized meeting preferences. Yes. And or a combination. Combination. Okay. Yes. So that worked for me. I, I did the combination. I started with AA and then I kept that and then I went to NA and I identified more with that, but I kept both, you know, along with, you know, attending church and Got you. sponsor work and the literature. But I looked around this room and realized I was not alone in my struggle. This room was packed full of different aged people, different backgrounds people, different nationalities people. And we're all different, but we all had the same common illness. We had the same common problem, so that made us like-minded. Because in my uh, addiction, I also got really hooked on solitude, being alone. I didn't want to be out amongst really anybody else. I was, I was fine with my own personal space and, and realizing I am not alone in all of this. I am far from alone. There are legions of us out there who struggle with substance abuse. And every last one of us had to come into a realization that, wow, I'm actually powerless over this and my life is completely unmanageable. So it was like the strength and number. There was a comfort knowing that there was not just me. 
Absolutely. That uh, there were folks there who had been at it longer than you. Yes. The recovery effort that you could gain from and learn from. Those old school veterans don't play in recovery. They're very militant about it. And I really gravitated more towards them. They were where you wanted to be, but they had been where you had lived for so long. Exactly. Exactly. And, and just to kind of flesh this out a little bit as a slippery slope, there were two individuals. Uh, one was younger than me and the other was my same age and they had long periods of, of recovery. And I became close to these two and, um, they were the two initially that I looked at and said, well, I really want what you have. I'm willing to do what you did to get what you have. And this, this isn't to be braggadocious, but um, just this process of recovery and life, they have both since relapsed. And so far, thank you, God, I have continued on uninterrupted. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Don't mean yeah. to make a comparison, but that's no. just how tricky this, this whole recovery business is. You know, I've said all my life, whether we're dealing with addiction, whatever it may be, a 20-foot extension ladder has 18 steps. Uh-huh. And you've got to take each one to get to the top one step, and you can be to the bottom. There are no shortcuts. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so uh, you, you fought that battle, mm-hmm. and I'm going to believe that you believe you know as much as it. As difficult as it may be to admit, it could happen to you. It so could. You've got to be wary. Well, our enemy will will kind of come at us when we're least suspecting, he'll with just thoughts and feelings. That and, Achilles heel, yeah. wherever it's at. Yours may be the drink. Mine may be A, B, or C. We all have one. We're right. only fooling ourselves if we don't. Uh, so no one's immune to this, right? No one's immune to it. So we, we you know, it, the struggle is real, as it's said. And recovery is not an exact science. It is not. Uh, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pills, right. some other drug, uh, cocaine, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, or something outside of the realm of drugs and alcohol. There's addictions to food, There's to porn. gambling, oh, pornography, right. We could go for a half an hour here. Right. Just putting that list. Because ultimately I discovered at it, we're hooked on dopamine. Those little dopamine hits our brain gives yes. us. Yes. And it could be social media. It could be like, like we discovered gambling or sex or pornography or compulsive eating. Yes. We're all after that dopamine hit. And to feed that. Yeah. And to get it. Yeah. Absolutely. So you... You were involved as a client, did you say, for about uh, three months? Three, 90 days, right. Uh, 90 days. Uh-huh. Then what happened? Uh, yeah, what was that next step, and how'd that come about? It was actually my graduation night, because um, by His Grace Ministries, who's the parent company of Bethel House and House of Schiffer, they hold a, a graduation for their clients, and um, it's... Basically, you get a certificate, and they say about they talk about your ninety day journey and their personal experience. Positive recognition, exactly of where you've come from, where you were, right? Deserved, deserved. deserved. I think well deserved, absolutely, because yes. ninety days is no small amount of time when you're trying to to get clean. And then in turn, um, I was allowed to you know say a few things, and then we all graduated. It was photographs, and then it was a pizza party. Uh, that evening, my now sponsor 
and give a shout out to Mike Smith of Bethel House, house director, um, approached me. I think I was kind of off by myself just reflecting, and, and he walked up and said, so what are you doing now? And I said, well, I, I gosh, I, I didn't make plans. I don't know. Um, got a job I don't particularly like, so I'll probably find an apartment I don't particularly like and, and continue on this and and uh, do my best. I mean, you guys are always accessible to me, so um, I'm kind of looking around for a place right now. He said, well, what would you think about staying on here and helping me out? And this is all the night of your graduation. Yes. yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Go ahead. Well, I, at first, my initial thought was no, no. Uh, then it turned to, well, why me? And as it well, why not you? So I'm not sure exactly what um, Mike saw in me, but I guess I had earned, starting to earn back trust and a better reputation. Obviously. So a week later, I, I agreed. And, um, he and the current house manager at that time began kind of training me and grooming me and teaching me how to uh, deal with these guys in different situations and circumstances, what the responsibilities were. Now, as I gained experience, Mike would grant me like different privileges and increments like, um, okay, you don't have to sign out anymore on the sign out sheet. Just kind of come and go. I trust you. And then the next step was, you don't have to keep track of your meetings. I know you go to meetings. You know, keep track of all these other guys. And finally ended up being, hey, how about you just not pay me rent anymore? You're, you're doing this full time and you live here and you help me sleep better at night. So that allowed me to start a purpose that fit. It felt, it felt right. I don't particularly like to have power and dominion over other people, but... At one time, I walked in that door for the first time. Sometimes the best way you can serve is by leading, and mm-hmm. it's not always comfortable. It's no. certainly not always easy. It's necessary. It's necessary. All of the sheep need a shepherd. And that put me under an intense microscope in the recovery community. And accountability within At- that circle, your right. friends and those who uh, were in leadership and guidance over you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm learning more and more my own way. I'm showing empathy in a lot of different cases. Uh, yeah. However, there were boundaries in others, you know, uh, a failed drug screen, being late after curfew, or a combination of several things that, that led me to sit down with some of these gentlemen say you're just not serious about this program you're you're here just to get cheap rent check boxes and report to your parole officer that you know you're doing so well um, so those rule infractions if i may call them that mm -hmm. were to you at least a sign of lack of deep commitment yeah either you're all in or you're you're okay kidding yourself and everybody else around you okay and, and unfortunately, there were more times than not I would have to sit down and discharge um, a client. And, and that never, that caused me to lose sleep and meals because a lot of times I know what their story was. It's February, it's 10 below zero, the wind's kicked up. You got to go because you are now a threat to the rest of this house. Now, down the road, 
get to this in a little bit. It, it did kind of smooth out a little bit. It, it, we gave them back through turning point of Madison County, a willingness to reevaluate and recommit. So did you see yourself in some of their actions? Did you all just, of them, you know, with the reflect back and go, that was me before yes. I got serious. Yes. The deception, the lies, the stories, um, trying to make an infraction seem plausible. It's hard to manipulate them. Yeah. I, like, I would always yes. like, who do you think you're talking to here? If, if you think you could do it, I've done it. So don't, yeah. don't pull it over on me, please. Well, Solomon says there's nothing new under the there's sun. There's nothing so. new under the sun. I mean, I would sit there with eye contact and nod my head like, oh, okay. That's, you know, absolutely untrue. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, go on. I'm, I'm interested. I have nothing to do else to do tonight. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, I went to Mike, the house director, and I said, I'm having a lot of time. I know these, you know, some people stay in Excel. And some people just got to go. The ones that I have to discharge, those are, those are, those are keeping me up at night. You know, it's weighing on my conscience. Sure. Yeah, you because know, I can put myself in their shoes. Okay, now I'm kicked out and I want to go back to prison or there's nowhere to sleep and it's wintertime. And his response to that was just as brilliant as it was simple. Scott, they just haven't suffered enough. That night I slept like a baby. That's... Babies don't sleep that good. <laughs> Absolutely. As the mothers, yes. Yes. No, but I get what he's saying I did too. by that. And not only relieved me of, of like, I guess, the burden of making those decisions you know, for other people, but, you know, truly, I guess you haven't suffered enough to be accountable for wanting to really grab this and run. And it had to be a constant reminder to you, I can't do this for them anyway. No. Only when they choose to get it done is it going to happen. Uh, hey, man, I got my own recovery to kind of, exactly. you know, lord over. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not responsible for, you know, your actions or your recovery. So you were in leadership there, what was it, about Three years? Is that what you 21 said? months. 21 months. Yeah. Couple of years. Couple of years. Couple of years. I'm working at the Christian Center part time and I'm working at Turning Point part time and I'm at Bethel House full time. Okay. I know where you're at in life now in the sense of what your your profession is and mm -hmm. the work you're doing. Go ahead and tell the folks. Let them know how that's played out and tell them what. Well, I don't want to give away too much. I'll okay. ask you along the way. So just go ahead. Sure. With that. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm full-time managing Bethel House, um, part-time at the Christian Center, and part-time at that Turning Point in Madison County. I'm working evenings at Turning Point. Um, what is Turning Point? Turning Point's a nonprofit, and we are staffed with what we're referred to as peers. We have, we are addicts. We are alcoholics. We are convicted felons that somehow or another found a better path, the right path. And we picked ourselves up and we are now in recovery. And that's amazing. Uh, that whole concept is amazing because as my icebreaker for a brand new client or an inmate at the jail or an inmate at MCCC, when I introduce myself, I'm Scott. I work for Turning Point. I'm a, what's called an addictions peer recovery coach. So I'm an addict in recovery. I'm also a convicted felon. So if I were to say to you, Those I understand how you feel. strikes against you. 
if I if I tell you I understand how you feel or I know what you're going through, I'm not talking down to you. I know how you feel and I know exactly what it is you're going through. And you could just see the tension kind of melt off these people and it gave the, them a freedom, I'm gonna guess, that you get it. I get it. You understand the hurt, the frustration, mm-hmm. the self-anger, the mm-hmm. pain, yes. the embarrassment, the stigma. Right. Uh Write the list, and yeah. you've been there. So, you know, not to uh, belittle any any medical professional or anything. They, they serve a wonderful purpose, but a lot of these folks have been through the counseling. They've been through the psychiatrist or whatever, and possibly, you know, they, ha- they meet the criteria of the university and the boards they're under, but maybe yes. they don't have the lived experience. Exactly. Does it make me any better? Makes Does you it different. Makes me a little different, a lot different. Doesn't make them any less. Because they're serving their their God-given function and, and purpose. But when we can meet people where they're at and relate to their situation, you just see the tension drain out. And they're more susceptible to be more honest, more open, more emotional. I, I'd love reading of different universities and uh, that level of education where you get credit for life's experience. Right. And that's kind of where you are in that respect. Yes. You were granted credits, not mm-hmm. that you needed credits, but just in parallel, you know, kind right. of nature, because you had been there. You did know. Uh, for lack of better terms, used to, there was a term used quite often, on-the-job training, yes. OJT. OJT. Well, you had been OJT with addiction. <laughs> yes, I... You knew what it what it looked like trying to get out of it or trying to survive it when you're in it yeah. without a place to go that night. We're talking about the winds mm-hmm. of February, mm-hmm. those kind of times. Am I going back to prison? Right. How am I going to be held accountable on this or that but you found a way. I did so. find my way, and there was no turning point um, for me to walk into. Uh, this was all on me, and I was in the hands of God to show me yeah. where to go, who to talk to, what, what, how to behave, and so on and so forth. Tell us how your work has gone. What's it been like? What has surprised you the most okay. in this? What are some of those over and over struggles that you deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know the confidentiality fact. Yeah. I don't want any names, but I know you can share stories. I could share a few stories. Uh, the most amazing thing about uh, my coming to Turning Point was uh, the very, very start of it. I had heard about this peer recovery coach um, gig, and on bended knee in prayer, I, I asked... Um, I'm very interested in this. If it be your will for me, would you show me the way? Because I don't really know what to do. And uh, two weeks later, uh, executive director of Turning Point, Jason Howard, runs into me just outside the studio in the hallway. And it's like, Scott, how would you like to become a peer recovery coach? And it was just <laughs> this moment where I just, boy, would I. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> what do I have to do? How quick can I get it done? <laughs> yeah, how quick. So um, he was gracious enough to bring me on, pay for my education, um, pay for my certific- nationwide certification and accreditation to be able to legally do this. Um, 
through, I got on the turning point when they were just fleshing this, this thing out and kind of, kind of like there was a structure, but making it up as we go. And we use the phrase, we are flying this plane as we build it, you know? So my experiences through here have been, um, how do I want to say, like, there are successes, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of folks that we've worked with come back in they're like, I don't need anything. I, you know, I got this job now I'm doing this now I'm healthy and I'm this much. And that's great. Those quick visits were to hear that good news. Sure. Uh, majority of the time though, unfortunately the people will come in and we will talk with them, listen more than we do talk, tell them what we were able to do, which is get them into a 28 day. And if they need, so we have a 90 day, um, access to, um, 90 day structured, sober living. We can get them a doctor. We can get them a dentist. We get them a therapist. We, We are a huge resource hub in the community for anybody who's willing to make the change and take the chance. So turning points, how old? Ah, five the, years is that? I think here we we were going on two years here in Anderson. Oh, it, is that it? I think so. Wow. And and our office in Elwood, that's not even one year yet. Right, I know it's and that's where you are. Yes, I'm predominantly here in Anderson. Okay. On, on Wednesdays, I go uh, uh, to the Elwood office. Got you. So, um, like like I was saying, a lot of these folks they kind of get lost to the wind. You know, they see them, you meet them maybe a few more times, and then afterwards you, you never see or hear. You can't get a hold of them on the phone. They won't reply to their emails. So that's disheartening, but it's also the nature of the condition. Yes, yes. Are you convinced that usually that is a sign that they could very easily be struggling by losing contact or... Does that fit? It does fit perfectly. And what's unfortunate is if they do not wish to be reached, you're not going to reach them. That's the way it is regardless of who we are. Exactly. If you want to hide, you can hide. Yeah. So we we do our our follow-ups 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. After 90, if there's no success or contact, we put that case on hold. So if they do decide in the future to come, we can just reopen it. Gotcha. All right. So... Today, what what is what brings in the most joy in your work? Uh, personal joy and professional joy. It's it's the fact that out of all the people, if we we work with and deal with, if if just one or or a few of the many get it and apply it and run with it and they stay in touch. Uh, that makes ending the day so much better. Just just knowing that that there, there's a possibility I, I, we, Turning Point, can make a difference in somebody's journey. Have an impact. To have some positive impact to keep them out of the jail, the ERs, the streets, the gutters. And that's not just for their sake. No. That's for the sake of society. Yes. You know, the jail costs us all money. Yes. Uh, the difficulties that go along with that, the health care, it increases costs. Mm-hmm. But if we can read someone at a time, we can, it's, it's a pyramid kind of thing to where it trickles down to all of those. It, it does. Big. We're all going to have to pay for it in some way. So that's why we have our fingers in the jail and MCCC and work release, you know, yes. to get them where they're at. 
And you know, I tell a little bit of my story, and then you know, I tell about turning points about and what we can do for them. So what? This is this is a tough question, but what do you think as a I'm going to say society and okay. culture? What can we do next that's going to impact recovery in a positive way? Uh, what? do you think is missing right now that if we could get that holy grail, that peace, that we can make a greater impact, not necessarily turning point in Madison County, Mm -hmm. but the battle as a whole. I would beseech um, every legislature, every insurance executive, uh, any board to at least consider a point of a just about instantaneous fast track approval for healthcare coverage specifically aligned for an individual's recovery. We deal with a lot of people without insurance and it may take 30 to 40 days. Well, 30 to 40 minutes can make the difference when someone's sitting across the desk from you. 30 to 40 days, we deal with a lot of folk who, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, are not going to make it that long without help. Just some type of across-the-board scholarship to at least cover 28 days, at the very least, 28-day inpatient. To give the fighting chance. Just to give them that shot. If they take it and run with it, that's one less dead person, incarcerated person, person in the asylum. You know, it's not a guarantee, but it's just a a passionate request. No, that makes total sense with the dealings that I've had in the places I've been with that. So what, what's your next step goal personally for Scott Bronner, uh, peer recovery coach, recovering addict? What is... I know it's to make it through tomorrow sober. I get yeah. that. But I'm talking on a, I don't know, more professional, uh, advanced level. What do you see as your next desired step? Right now, professionally, um, I'm cruising just where I, I, I want to be. I feel I need to be. Um, I'm living independently in my personal life. I've learned to enjoy my own company and do things on my own, trying to break that codependency. Um, I'm fine with my earnings and, and covering my bills and still paying my dues, reaching out still. Have you ever been in a better place in life concerning those factors, Scott? Um, probably right before my spiral, I know I was fairly happily married and had a place in Pendleton and mowed the grass and there were barbecues and you yeah. know my daughter was a little toddler and then that was a really happy the place white picket fits. all the, the whole American dream you. thing you know um, now I'm doing it alone so um, right now professionally I just want to stay this course and then wherever I'm led you know I'll walk through that door whatever that looks like personally I'm having to apply a great deal of patience and, and discernment, I would like to now share my, my life with an understanding um, woman. I would like to have, you know, a significant other in my life. But believe me, I ain't rushing that. 
you know, and I won't is, settle either. So <laughs> hooray! I think it's a good attitude. All right, right. What? What's one more thing you want the folks out there to know about recovery? Be empathetic and supportive, but also set and maintain your boundaries with those. Earlier, I caught you. I, I don't remember the thought even came to mind how you had moved almost from empathy to sympathy when you went to Mike, was that his name? Your, Mike, yeah. Your sponsor or the guy who was guiding you. Yeah. How you went to him and said you were struggling with other people. Oh, it hurt. I was emotional yeah. about it, you and, know. And I felt like you were moving from the empathy you'd shown to sympathy and he basically kicked you back in place yes. with his comment about they just haven't suffered enough. Yes. And you realize that my sympathy, my desire for them is not as important as their desire for themselves. Yes? Yes, absolutely. Um, to kind of like carry on with what you were just saying, what's nice now is uh, when I was there, or even the house manager who's running it now, somebody does get discharged, kicked out. I told them, and the manager tells them, okay, you're out. You can't stay here tonight. However, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., go see Scott at Turning Point, and we'll, and he'll, you know, or, or the group at Turning Point, and they'll figure something out for you. So you can't stay here, but you need to go there. Yeah. And then, you know, I still have... Very good rapport with Bethel House and, and every other sobriety house here. So instead of, well, you're just out, pack, go, get, you know, you make me sick, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's like, you can't stay here, but, you know. Here's an alternative. Here's an alternative. So it, it will have you back if you do what they recommend, yeah, do what Turning Point yeah. recommends for you. Well, Scott, did you know uh, the title of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery? Yes. What's that mean to you? faith in your recovery kind of as a wrap-up question. Okay. Uh, give us your answer for that, please. Okay. Um, I tell people who are willing to listen, you cannot have just recovery and no faith in anything. You know, you, you have to have faith. You have to have a higher power. Without your higher power, this means nothing. You know, it's a journey and it's a struggle and you're running to the things that hurt you as opposed to uh, running from them, and you have got to have that dependable, loving, higher power greater than yourself that can handle the things for you that you can't. Something stable. Solid, timeless, eternal. You have got to have, however that looks for the, mine is Jesus Christ, but however that looks for the individual, you've got to have that higher power. And those who don't have one, I always make them an offer of, okay, well, you can borrow mine for a time. If you don't have the faith, you're not going to get the recovery. And you can't have recovery unless you have faith in something greater than yourself. Yeah, yeah. I go back to something I said earlier that if we could do it on our own, oh. we wouldn't be where we're at. Right. If I could do it on my own, I wouldn't have, have made the choice to become an addict. Yeah, yeah. So I can't yeah. do it on my That's own. It's it. impossible. And the sooner we recognize that, <laughs> the sooner we're going to get yes. out of it. Yes. Uh I I guess it's kind of a sensitive area, but I hear people say at times, 
I want you to make the decision. Sometimes I'm not so confident with saying it because mm-hmm. their decisions are what got them where they are, that they need some guidance. I can't make your decision. I can give you guidance to a better decision, I hope. Right. After hearing all the details of what they yes. you know, lay out there, say, okay, well, here's the course I would consider taking. That, yes, that's my style. You know. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, Scott, thank you for your time. Thank you for your willingness for the interview. Thanks, thanks. for having me back. Well, I appreciate you. what you do joy. so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and thanks for the work you're doing through Turning Point and the other lives you've touched and will continue to touch. Hang in there and keep it up. God bless. Folks, we hope you, you got an answer today to one of your important questions. We hope that through subsequent or even some of our past podcasts, you can find an answer that will make a difference for you and bring you nearer to recovery. And whatever you do, you know, stay in the battle. Your answer may be around the next corner or in our next episode. And know this, you've come too far to only come this far. So stay in the battle. God bless. Thank you. Amen.